0: Hey everyone welcome back to the quantum heart cafe i hope everyone has had a wonderful uh, past couple of weeks i took some time to uh, just i spent some time away last week which is why i didn't do uh the the last installment of braiding sweetgrass by robin wall kimmer last week i'm gonna do it uh this show and it was nice I just took a break to Kind of recharge my batteries. It was. It's been a tough t- uh, couple weeks at work, so I just decided. And plus, I was. I hadn't had a chance to completely finish the book, so I figured I'll I'll just take a break, uh, and and finish the book and have, my thoughts kind of for tonight's show, and I hope everyone's had a a nice weekend and they. Uh, enjoying the spring, uh, the spring weather. It's been pretty nice here so far. And I've got my uh, decaf coffee again because it's kind of late in the day and I don't want to drink regular coffee because I'll be, otherwise I'll be up all night. So, well, no, actually, I'm pretty lucky where coffee doesn't bother me too, too much. But just to be on the safe side, I, I do drink caffeine or decaf coffee in the evenings. Plus, it's nice. I, I enjoy the taste of it. I know not everyone's into decaf coffee, but it's not too bad. It, the, the, uh, This one was a gift from someone. It's the Whole Foods brand, Um, but if someone gives me a bag of coffee, I'm not going to say no, so so far it's been not too bad. And then I did pick up some regular coffee from a a local coffee shop, JJ Beans. They have their own brand of coffee, and that one's been quite nice. I've enjoyed that one too. Um, And uh, just for gratitude today, just thinking of... You know, thinking of Robin Wall Kimmer's book and all the wonderful, the heartfelt stories and uh, wisdom and lessons she uh, put inside the book. And I, I highly encourage people, if you haven't had a chance to read her book, Braiding Sweetgrass, uh, please read it. It's a, it's a wonderful book and a lot of wisdom. And uh, for me tonight, I'm going to be focusing on the last part of the book, which explains kind of it's a, a a very similar theme that I've been bringing up over the last, you know, ever since I started this show of where, you know, humanity we're at a crossroads right now. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I'm just grateful for that. And I'm grateful for, um, just some of the, the fond memories I created with some of my family this weekend and just, i um, having good health and, you know, looking forward to the summer, the summertime. And uh, with that being said, uh, tonight might be a bit of a shorter show or just because the I didn't have that much left of the book. Uh, and I really want th- the last part of Robin Wall Kimmer's book, what really stood out for me and the part that I want to talk about tonight is uh, the seventh fire and the eighth fire and uh, the spirit of this entity called Boitiko. And I think I've heard very similar names to this spoken in other cultures and other uh, myths and legends around the world. Um, So that's what I'm going to kind of focus on uh, tonight. And so in the the book uh, Braiding Sweetgrass, near the end of the book, Robin Wall Kimmer, Uh, introduces the story of Waitiko. And Waitiko is this entity um, that many indigenous cultures on Turtle Island have myths around this entity, a dark-sided entity that uh, feeds off of flesh, uh, cannibalizes, uh, feeds off the flesh of human beings. And it's said that this being was once a man, uh, but they got so greedy and they... They started to consume. That they got so greedy that they started to consume themselves and consume the, those around them, and so they became this monster uh, that stalks people and uh, goes after people. Especially in the winter time, in the winter time, when you know you have scarcity, that's when this entity is um, most active. Whereas in the summertime, when things are abundant that's when it becomes dormant. And uh, and I'll get to that in a minute because that's a really important lesson there in and of itself. Um, and then she also brought up the story about the seventh and eight fi- eighth fires. And, um, and I'm just going off memory here, so I might not remember all the details. And also about fire keepers and how You know, we're at this time where we're starting to see some great calamities. Um, Climate change is a little more complicated than what they're making it out to be on the news. I don't know if you've been following geoengineering and weather manipulation. It's real. Uh, It's real with what they're even in the book that I reviewed. And I didn't include it in the last or when I first uh, reviewed the book, but it was in there. Uh, in invisible Rainbow, Arthur Furstenberg spoke about um, the HARP project, which the ionosphere, where uh, there's these uh arrays, I think they're antennas. i uh, forgive me if I got that little part wrong, but they ionize the atmosphere using electromagnetic radiation, and through ionizing the atmosphere, they can control the weather. So what I'm not saying is that there, that there isn't any environmental degradation. There is, and but it's not just climate change. Climate, again, climate change. Uh. You know, the these companies like Lockheed Martin, and and these other and the military and these other companies do have the ability to manipulate weather, and I think it's really important to you know put our thinking caps on. And look into this, you know, look into uh, what uh, the research that all these universities and DARPA and so on are doing about these weapons, because they're they're real. And uh, they're being used to uh, manipulate the weather, to further a narrative, because um, the powers that shouldn't be want to continue to sever our connection to the spirit world and to mother nature. And they'll use stories like climate change to do so by saying, Oh no, no, no humans are bad. You know, don't go into the forest, keep off the grass, don't touch anything. Like you're, you know, human beings are nothing but sins and, and you're all dirt bags and you shouldn't, you know, shouldn't go hiking or you shouldn't do this or that. You'll destroy the planet when that's not true. Like, um, Mother Earth is just as much a part of us as we're part of her. And I also want to say that, you know, Ramanwal Kimmer doesn't write about geoengineering or uh, these sort of ionospheric weapons in her book. So I just want to make that distinguish, or kind of distinguish that, because she didn't... I don't know if she's aware of those or not. Not too many people are. Um, uh and again, this isn't to say that there isn't environmental degradation, because there is, that the mining companies are exploiting uh, mountains and creating these toxic tailings ponds from uh, for mining and resource extraction. Uh, there's a lot of unsustainable uh, wood clearing and the ocean is continually being polluted by garbage. And uh, you know, waste from ships and so on, and I don't think that the people who created these problems are the ones that are going to be, or are the ones to solve the problem, and that the major players in the environmental degradation is not so much the everyday individual or the guy with a pickup truck, uh, which is what the you know the mainstream narrative is going to you know, pin the blame on is the guys with the pickup trucks when that's not necessarily true. You know, the real players are, you know, these big corporations. They're, you know, a certain percentage of people who have all the wealth and re- or who have amassed most of the wealth and resources that own private jets that pollute just as much, if not more, than cars. And the the military, which uses up quite a bit of fuel... And resources, and what do they do? They cause nothing but death and destruction and pain. And yet they can, you know, they get, they get to, they they get off. Um, they're not really scrutinized, but the guy with the pickup truck is. So I don't know. I'm just saying that I th- <clears throat> I think it's better. You know, we can't just ignore institutions and ignore the military and ignore all these other players that are contributing to. Environmental degradation, uh, and we can't ignore this weird space age technology that's out there that is also contributing to these weird weather events. I mean, open your eyes, just look at the look at the sky, look at the clouds. I've used to I used to lit, uh, work uh, for a brief period of time in a, a boiler house where they were making steam. I've seen condensate. Uh, condensation clouds coming up from the stacks and they are not like the ones that are in the sky because they you know you see the condensation clouds it rises for a little bit and then it disappears right because it's usually it's supposed to just be steam I don't know if it's completely st- like or sorry it's supposed to be water vapor I'm not sure if it's completely water vapor there might be some you know some other chemicals in there but for the most part, it's supposed to be just steam. Uh, whereas, you know, if you look at the sky, I mean, it's all crisscrossed. Even looking at the clouds, the clouds don't look the same. You know, they look pretty weird. Like the, I don't know if you've seen this on a gray day, but all those those ripples, they look like waves. Like they look like uh, waves, like rippling across the sky. Like it's weird. that it, it, it doesn't look normal. And... A blue sky, like, I mean, some of it's pollution from vehicles and stuff like that, but there's some, you know, this blue skies don't look the same, you know, they don't look like what they used to. Now it's just this weird white haze in the sky. So, you know, it's important to look up and to think about these things, look up and pay attention to what is going on in the skies, you know? Uh, we're living in an age of air. I don't know if you are into astrology. I am. Uh, Saturn moved out of Capricorn, and Saturn is one of the signs of the military. Um, And for the last 100 to 100 years, most of the wars have been fought on the ground. You know, the world wars and stuff like that. Uh, Now they're fought in the skies. Like, now we're in the age of air, so... War, even the whole notion of war is is changed because Saturn is in Aquarius now, and so it's air, it's the it's our mind, it's the it's our skies, it's the it's cyber, it's digital, it's different now. So I just wanted to say that because um, you know we really are at a crossroads, and all these things are going on, and if we're not careful, we're gonna end up losing our life support system, our Mother Earth, because the powers that shouldn't be, they're only interested in business as usual. Like, the UN sustainability goals really aren't about sustainability. They're just about new ways and new markets for uh, corporations to exploit so they continue to make money while the rest of us are struggling just to survive. And it's wrong. Um, And, you know, these psychopaths don't care if they destroy this planet they want. Um, You know, there are they want more money they want more uh they want our spiritual uh energy they want they just want everything and eventually they also want to go into space and and colonize space and you know do all these other crazy things i don't think it's going to work but i think a lot of people are going to get hurt in the meantime unless more of us starts to wake up and see what's going on right and not just you know, leave it to experts or leave it to the mainstream media or leave it to, even le- leaving it to conspiracy theories, right? Like, you know, learn to do your own research and learn to, you know, read books and ask questions and just don't, I mean, don't believe what I say. You will know, read the book. Like I said, you know, Robin Wall-Kimmer, she doesn't really talk about what I just spoke about for the last five minutes or so in her book, but she does talk about... um you know uh, reconnecting with mother earth and uh, you know reconnecting with generosity and, and reciprocity you know giving back and in the last part of her book she spoke about the seventh and eighth fire uh which is what we're kind of going through so the seventh fire uh robin Wall kimmer um was part of a prophecy and uh, there's a bit more to the prophecy but what really uh, stood out for me was when um, it's kind of what we're going through right now, which is the seventh and the eighth fire. And those of us who can see what's going on with the seventh fire, who can see that we're at a crossroads, and you know, we could continue going down this materialism that, or the path of materialism, which leads to you know, which could lead to. Uh, I think very dark a very dark period in human history where you have transhumanism, you have this attempt to create a planetary computer, you have this corporations stealing the life energy and vitality from children, uh, to build this metaverse that they envision, um, which will leave everyone impoverished, uh both human beings and all beings and could potentially destroy the planet, because this is kinda of like the, uh, it's like Frankenstein's monster. When Frankenstein created his monster, the monster came back and destroyed everything in Dr. Frankenstein's life, everything he loved. That could happen if we're not careful. But then there's another path, you know, the path that has reverence for life, the path that, um see spirit and beauty in all things, Um, a path of love and justice. And I think that as individuals, you know, if you're listening to this, it's a choice you have to make. It's a choice we all have to make. We're being called to make that now. That's what the Eighth Fire is about. You know, if if there's enough people during this time of the Seventh Fire who can see that we're at a crossroads and bring their gifts uh, their abilities, their their visions, and their creativity, like what John Trudell talked about with clear, coherent thinking. If we bring the clear, coherent thinking and we bring our gifts as tender for a fire, that eighth fire could be lit, and that eighth fire is symbolized as peace. Uh, peace and healing and um, you know, finally reaching a time where Perhaps there's spiritual wisdom, along with materialism, or maybe materialism just goes the way of the dodo bird, and we realize that, uh, and when I say we, mostly European society, because I think indigenous people already know this, but you know eurocentric thinking changes, and we begin to understand that we need to live in balance with the universe, that there is this universal spirit. Um, you call it God, the goddess. Uh, you know, Maat, the mother goddess. You know, the universe is melanated. I will say that. <laughs> um, you know, we come back in harmony with harmony with that, and perhaps uh, that means giving up this whole idea of progress. But again, like you know, we uh, European thinking, you know, places progress on a pedestal. But how is it progressive when? these very technologies that we're using yes they have a lot of great conveniences but they also have a real dark side you know as i kind of talked about in the invisible rainbow you know they're making us sick as well so how is a progressive to continually use these things that are making us sick i don't know i think perhaps there's a real wisdom in taking a few steps back and having some honest self-reflection about what type of society and what type of communities and families and so on do we want to create for ourselves. So, you know, that's the, that's the pathway kind of laid out. And this entity, you know, Waitiko, there's other names for it too. I've heard of the name y- Yurugu. Um, I haven't read the book, but I have watched her lectures. Her name is Dr. Marimba Ani, or Annie, sorry. And she wrote a book called Yorugu, and it was about the European mindset. Uh, Because I think for me, it's it's been really um, informative and important to understand different worldviews. And so I've been learning about uh, African worldviews, indigenous worldviews, and so on, because there's a lot of wisdom there. Um, and Eurogu is the name for the European worldview, which just sees the universe or the earth as a resource at, to be exploited, and you know positions you know European European thinking positions human beings, especially Europeans as above other human beings and above nature. And so therefore, we have a right to exploit it as much as we want. And I'm not saying that every person, every European or every person of European descent thinks this way. If you don't think this way, then that's fine. But I'm saying that there is, you know, other names for this entity, this energy that's very vamp- is very similar to vampire um you know it just takes and takes and takes and it's like the uh industrial ruling class is beholden to this energy and they embody this energy and they're more than happy to you know destroy beautiful mountaintops to get at these minerals for stuff we don't need like electric cars and so we don't need them if anything we should probably be looking at how um you know, can we reduce our need for fossil fuels? I mean, I know it's it's complicated. I just don't think more technical gadgets and doodads and, you know, smart devices. I definitely don't think more smart devices is the answer. And to build smart devices, you have to, you know, bust open mountains and, and mine to get the minerals for them, right? To get the all the uh bits and bobs to make the, the circuit boards and stuff, right? So it's, it comes at a great cost. And, you know, Waitiko and Yorugu and, and any other name you want to call this dark center entity really falls follows the side of this rampant materialism, this rampant, um, you know, technological road that the industrial ruling class wants to push us all down. And, you know, if it wins, that means devouring all of life. And, you know, personally, I don't want that. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm really happy that I read uh, Robin Wall Kimmers' book, Braiding Grass," and I think it, you know, gave a lot of food for thought about where we're at right now and, you know, what can I do to help us move more towards a life Giving and, and reverence for a life path than this path of destruction that you know certain people and certain entities on this planet want to take us down and I hope that y'all will consider reading this book and or at least just think about this crossroads or think about this crossroad that we're at you know what is it that what gifts what is it that you can bring that can uh help people, you know, choose more of a life affirming path rather than a path of destruction. Um, and how we can bring our individual gifts to help light that eighth fire because it you know, it's indigenous people, it's people from all over the world that have gifts and have loving hearts that I think, you know, together can build this fire. I light it, and it's just a matter of finding each other. It's just a matter of uh, finding our gifts and and bringing them together. I don't know how necessarily to do that, but I hope this podcast is perhaps a a nice, inspiring step in that direction. Um, And that's all I wanted to say because I didn't have much, uh, much left to read of Robin Wall Kimmer's Braiding Sweetgrass, and I just wanted to, I thought that, the story of the Eighth Fire was really, really important, and it resonated, me, resonated with me most of all during, in the last section of the book I was reading. And for next week, so I have been getting really interested in exploring time and exploring timelines. And I think for next week, uh, I found the third installment of Madeline Ingles' Time series, uh, a swiftly tilting planet. Um, I got the book. I, I did go to Indigo. I didn't find, or I didn't go to the used bookstore this time, uh, but there was a copy available and I think it was the only one left. So I just decided that I'd pick it up. And uh, this one is about, uh, or it's going to be about uh, Char- Charles Wallace's back, uh, except he's 15 in this book. And he uh, pairs up with a, a flying horse, um, a, a unicorn, uh, to go time traveling, to figure out where in time did this did something because they wanted to go into the past to try and find it a, a might have been moment that would change the course of human history. Um, that they can try and save the planet. So I thought that that sounds like a really interesting story. I've been watching lots of movies on time travel. I've been watching a show. A interesting show is called Travelers. It's on Netflix. It's about uh, time travel as well. People are sent back from the future to the past, and they do that through. And in the future, they also have a planetary AI, and it's filmed in Vancouver, and there's quantum computers in it. So maybe I'll do like a whole other series on that show alone. Uh, but and then I watched the movie *Tenant*. *Tenant* was really cool. That was an interesting movie. It's by Christopher Nolan. If you haven't watched the movie *Tenant*, I highly recommend. That's a really interesting time travel movie too. And then Bruce Willis and his time travel movie *Looper*. That was a really cool movie as well. Um, so maybe I, I thought that maybe I would devote this next. Uh, chunk of my show to talking about time and uh, consciousness which kind of goes with the whole quantum heart cafe um so anyway i'll be back i think i think i should be able to finish this or read the whole book by next sunday and if not then i'll just do the same thing where i kind of break it up into uh, sections but i think that's it for tonight and i want to thank all of you for coming out to the cafe and coming out to the show and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a wonderful and beautiful week. Um, have a very heartfelt week and inspired week. And remember, we can, we can build that eighth fire together. So thank you so much and um, have a good night. Bye bye.